When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. We've already been told how this battle is going to end. It is called the Narniath Arnoidiad, the Battle of Unnumbered Tears. That does not bode well for the free peoples of Middle-earth. And like so many times before, Tolkien kind of ruins the ending. He tells us that the forces of the elves and the men and the dwarves cannot win this battle. There has been too much betrayal, and that is the crux of it. In the last episode, we talked about even though he is sending forth from his reserves everything, including wolves, balrogs. Can you imagine balrogs marching to war? And dragons, plural. Dragons. The elves and men and dwarves might still have had a shot at winning if it wasn't for the betrayal of men. But not all of the men have gone to Morgoth's side, have betrayed the elves and their allies. Hurin and Hur still stand with Fingen. And Turgon is there as well. But first, we're going to talk about the dwarves. The dwarves of Belagost, the Nogrim, as they were called by the Noldor. They have a part to play as well. Maedhros' forces are being routed. And all across the battlefield, Fingon's forces, Maedhros' forces, everybody is being pushed back. Or surrounded, or just completely routed by dragons and balrogs and numbers of orcs that they have never seen before. And in this episode, we will have three great last stands. 
And the first one has to do with the dwarves. It says here in the text, For the Nagrim withstood fire more heartily than either elves or men, and it was their custom, moreover, to wear great masks in battle. Hideous to look upon. Can you imagine the artistry of the dwarves? We see a little bit of this in the movies and in the Rings of Power, the masks that they're wearing in Khazad-dûm, the guards. Did you notice that? Hideous-looking masks. And that these helped them stand against the dragons. Imagine that. An army of dwarves standing against dragons. And we're also told here, but for them, Glarung and his brood would have withered all that was left of the Noldor. They were the ones who kept the dragons at bay. So in this situation, Glarung attacks this side of the forces, Maedhros' side. The dwarves stand up, and they don't only just stand up against this gigantic monstrosity, they surround it, and they start hacking at it with their great axes. Remember the artistry of the First Age, the crafting and the skill of the dwarves and the elves of this time was greater than at any other time. In the other books, we have all sorts of passages about when they found this weapon that was crafted in the first age. You have an army of dwarves who are a bit more fire resistant than everybody else with their full armor, masks, and axes cleaving away at Glarung. And we're told that Glarung could not withstand all the blows of their axes, even in his mighty armor, the father of dragons, these axes could still, at times, pierce his scales and his hide. And so he decides to retreat. It says here, when in his rage, Glarung turned and struck down Azagol, Lord of Belagost, the leader of the dwarves, and crawled over him. With his last stroke, Azagal drove a knife into his belly and so wounded him that he fled the battlefield. Tolkien writes after that that the beasts of Angband soon followed him. Now, if that means all of the other dragons or only some other beasts, that they, the group there just pulled back, the specifics aren't, aren't stated right here. We then know that the dwarves raised up Azagal's body, bored away. And they were, they were sad. With slow steps, they walked behind, singing a dirge in deep voices, as it were a funeral pomp in their country, and gave no heed more to their foes. And none dared to stay them. They broke this side of the battle. They pushed the other forces back. And even if there was fighting, nobody else was taking up arms against the dwarves after they just did that to the the father of the dragons. But that was it for them. They were done. They were heading off the battlefield. And that ends the eastern side of the conflict as well. So we have to turn west to the remnants of Fingen, Turgen, Hurin, and Hur's forces to see what happens with them.
so Turgon and Fingon have a lot to deal with here. They don't have dragons necessarily. They have Balrogs. We're told that they are assailed by a tide of foes thrice greater than all the force that was left to them. Three times greater. And remember Gothmog, the lord of the Balrogs? Remember him? We haven't heard from Gothmog since all of this started. The conflict with Feanor, specifically. Just a reminder, Gothmog is credited with having slain Feanor. If you remember early on when the Noldor first made their way over to Beleriand, they get off the ships, Feanor and his sons are all ready to march directly into Angband, take on Morgoth directly. And Feanor, in his haste, as Tolkien would use, he he likes the word haste, and in his, uh, let's just say, misunderstanding of his own strength, was confronted with this host of Balrogs. And Gothmog is the one who laid the final blow. Feanor himself was extremely powerful, extremely talented and skilled in combat, and yet he couldn't take on Gothmog. And here we are, centuries later, the Battle of Unnumbered Tears, and Turgon and Fingon are now presented with this same terrible sight. Somebody that they would recognize, that they have been telling stories about for hundreds of years now. The captain of Angband, Gothmog. He drives a dark wedge between the elven hosts, surrounding Fingon and thrusting Turgon and Hurin aside towards the Fen of Sarich. So what what is happening here is that you are still having the movement of troops. This isn't specifically he stood between this person and this person moved them apart. His forces have broken the battle lines again and divided these two forces apart so that they cannot stand together. Their numbers are too great, and they are Balrogs. (laughs) You have a host with Balrogs at the front. That's, I mean, in in World of Warcraft terms, or, you know, MMO MMO terms, like, those are your DPS and tanks all in one, (laughs) I guess, if we were talking video games. And so this group surrounds Fingon, and we're told it was a grim meeting. You can imagine Fingon was not excited to have to face Gothmog directly. The same Balrog who slayed his uncle, the great Feanor. It, I'm sure it was a very grim meeting. We're told here, at last Fingon stood alone with his guard dead about him. So the conflict turns. Gothmog's forces divide Fingon and Turgon. Gothmog turns directly towards Fingon's group, and they whittle them down to a man. And we end up with another one of those final moments. This is the second of them. Fingon standing directly against Gothmog, all of his guard dead at his feet. And he fought with Gothmog. He actually puts up a really good fight here. He holds his ground stands against Gothmog, and it takes another Balrog coming up behind him 
And in the, in the text, it says, casting a throng of fire about him. These Balrogs, it seems to be their thing. They, they group up and then they surround their foes with flames, a throng of fire, basically capturing him in a, in a surrounded area of fire. Then Gothmog hewed him with his black axe and a white flame sprang up from the helm of Fingen as it was cloven. The, the imagery here is interesting. A white flame. And this isn't the first time we're going to get imagery that is specific in, a, in an interesting detail. Again, Tolkien's words are very specifically chosen. Uh, I had a, a message from somebody who wrote me and said, well, what? maybe he just had this idea in his head and he was just going with this idea. Yes, I'm sure that's part of it. But the other part of it is that he chooses the symbology intentionally the same way that writers of myth did, because every single word can contain more information than just an enjoyable visual. Why would Fingen have a white flame come out of his head? We've already we already know that his his helm itself is white. Fingen is representative here of a group of the elves who are the the closest to pure good that we can get. The son of Fingolfin, one of the Noldor who is not a direct descendant of Feanor and is still fighting the good fight. To the very point of his own death. For Fingen, it is not about retrieving a Silmaril. It's not about a greedy pursual of the things of Feanor that, that are owed to the Noldor. It's about standing against the enemy. It's about creating peace. Giving people a chance to live in a world where Morgoth is not actively seeking to enslave and destroy everybody. Fingen, Turgen, Hurin, this side of the conflict specifically are not the sons of Feanor. They are the the goodest of good boys. <laughs> and it's, I guess I shouldn't take that away from uh, Huon, but they're the, 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 the purest of heart on the side of the free people. We can say that. So a white flame comes up. Maybe that's his spirit leaving his body. But it's white for a reason. And thus fell the high king of the Noldor, and they beat him into the dust with their maces. And his banner, blue and silver, they trod into the mire of his blood. And let's be honest here. Fingen was fighting a force of Balrogs separated from the rest of the forces, basically on his own, it would be silly to assume that Fingen himself could stand up against multiple Balrogs, let alone Gothmog, directly. He gives it a go, though. But the picture here is what I want to talk about right now, because this is one of those images that is hard to visualize. We have seen rows and rows of orcs going to war in the movies. We have seen dragons flying around. We've also seen a Balrog, Durin's Bane, in Moria. 
And this is one of my favorite things to mention to my children while watching the Lord of the Rings. Don't we all do this? Like, oh, when Aragorn kicks the, the helmet and he actually breaks his foot, right? Because in the extended commentary, we find out that the actor, Viggo Mortensen, broke his foot when he kicked the helm you know, after they think that the the two hobbits are dead in the in the two towers. Um, and so we we do this thing. Like, I think this is like a dad thing where you're like, did you know, son, that la, 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 la. Well, that's one of the fun things to do here <laughs> when when they get through the scene in the Fellowship of the Ring where Gandalf falls and is fighting the Balrog and the the, the bridge breaks to lean over and go, well, you know, son. Back in the first age, there were armies of Balrogs. It's just something to try to picture. That's just kind of, you know, like, wow, really? Armies of these things? Yes. Yeah, there were armies. Now, how many there were, we talk about this on the Balrog episode. Uh, we don't know. We don't know if this is a group of like 10 or if this is hundreds. And Tolkien over his life changed his concept of how many there might have been. But let's just... Let's just agree that even an army of 10 of these things would have been terrifying and enough to break the forces of Fingon. It's at this moment that we are told that the field is lost. Hurin and Hur and the remnant of the house Hadar stood firm with Turgon still, and the hosts of Morgoth could not yet win the Pass of Syrian. They're still holding the pass, but the rest of the field, they've been pushed way back to Back where they started, actually beyond where they started. Hurin turns to Turgon and says, Go now, Lord, while time is, for in you lives the last hope of the Eldar. And while Gondolin stands, Morgoth shall still know fear in his heart. This is one of those moments where you have one of the characters, just like in old myths, project something into the future do some sort of foreshadowing like how would Hurin know this what is it just the feeling in his heart or is this just a conversation that one character needs to have in, with another character in order for this to be vocalized the same thing happened in the filming of the of the lord of the rings films one of the things that they actually did was they would they would have a piece of dialogue from the books and they would go, okay, this piece of dialogue needs to be in the film somewhere, but it doesn't fit in the situations as we've been filming them out to have the original person who was going to say it, say it. So they will take lines of dialogue from one character and move it over to another character. They did this a lot because it was more about conveying the information than it was about who specifically said it. And I think this is one of those situations we actually get here, but it's kind of a step back from that. Even Tolkien is saying, we, I need to convey this message at this very dire situation, this very dire time. I need to provide a little bit more foreshadowing to where things are going and some hope for the future. So Hurin will be the one who says it to Turgon. It also gives Turgon the option of leaving without looking like a coward he's being told to go like hurin dramatically and heroically is saying go you get out of here save yourself we will hold the pass but you need to survive it also shows some of the character of hurin and these men who are distinctly different than the men who betrayed Maedhros. 
Turgon answers. He says, not long now can Gondolin be, be hidden and being discovered, it must fall. He knows their time is limited. If all the rest of the forces are being pushed back, so many are now dead. How much longer can Gondolin hide away? Then Hur speaks, and he says, Yet if it stands but a little while, then out of your house shall come the hope of elves and men. It's another one of those foreshadowings. Was, did like Manway just deposit this in his brain? Probably not. This I say to you, Lord, with the eyes of death, this is another one of those mythical moments. This idea that in the grasp of death, not only do we get sometimes our lives flashing before our eyes, but sometimes we have this awareness, this deep connection with reality and the way things actually are, or a foreboding and a a premonition of what's to come. This happens as well, and it happens here. This I say to you, Lord, with the eyes of death, Though we part here forever, and I shall not look on your white walls again. Like, I know if we hold this pass, we will not survive. From you and from me, a new star shall arise. Farewell. And for those of you who know, the reason why he uses the star analogy like a new star rising on the horizon, a light to guide us, that kind of thing, is because maybe it's not just an analogy. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts, and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell, and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, okay, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like a 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. This is where I get to thank all of our patrons and those of you who take the your time and money in order to make sure that I can keep doing this, in order to make sure that I have a career in podcasting, and I very much appreciate it. We have some shout-outs to do. Let's start with Elizabeth M., Jesse D., Justin W., Michael D., Garnet D., and Bo. Thank you so much to all of you for your support and for helping out. And I think also maybe maybe there's two more on here that I didn't get last time. Haddon W. and Scott G., if I miss any of you on a call out, it's it's tough for me to keep track of all of these. Let me know and be like, hey, t- you missed me. You missed me. Can can you give me a call out? I'm trying to make sure I get everyone. I'd rather call out people twice than only once, if I or not at all. That doesn't make any sense. Anyway, welcome to the Patreon. Thank you for your support. I hope you are enjoying your ad free episodes at tier one, your bonus episodes, over thirty something bonus episodes at tier two, and then at tier three when you just wanna wanna get your call outs every time we do one of these episodes and support the show a little bit more. So that means that we got to call out our VIP patrons, our tier three VIP patrons. And man, there's, there's even more of you. Holy moly. All right, let's see how many we have right now. We've got, we've got a bunch here. I'm just going to read through the names. Bo, welcome to the VIP Patreon. Brad C, Brandy D, Chris D, Esoteric Rage, Jesse P, Larry, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Sam B, Shannon L, and Sheev Palpatine. <laughs> Thank you so much. Every time I have to say Star Wars characters, that's hilarious. If you <laughs> if you sign up on Patreon and want to really just throw a wrench in the works, then just change your name or sign up under a really funny name and then I'll have to say it every time. Um man, why am I giving you guys these terrible ideas? Also, we have some we have some reviews. If you leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, I'll read it out on a future episode of the show. And even if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, if you have an Apple app, Apple account, Apple account, words are hard, then you can just log in and leave a review over there and that helps out as well. Um, I'm recording this episode a little earlier this week because of Thanksgiving here in the U.S. Normally I would record it later, but uh, if if you haven't heard your shout out or put in a review and it just hasn't shown up yet, just wait. I'm sure I'll have like extra to do next week. So we have one from Bumpf7 in Canada who writes, the best review for the best author. I am a huge Tolkien fan, having read all the history of Middle Earth books, and at times that was very challenging. Robots is a Mad Playa, who honors Tolkien and his legendary works. I recommend this series to everyone I know. Bump, I think that is the first time anyone has ever called me a Mad Playa. Uh, but now I'm going to, maybe I should change my social media accounts to be like Tom the Mad Playa. Because it's official. So, thanks Bump. 
Then we have one from Mel Thompson in Canada who writes, one pad- podcast to rule them all. I like that. I'm a huge fan of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. I've been trying to read The Silmarillion, but it's a lot. Robots tells the stories in an easy to listen way. I enjoy listening whenever I'm commuting. He is truly the master of the lore of the rings. I see what you did there. Maybe I should have just named the show The Lore of the Rings. I, that was an opportunity I totally missed out. I went with Lorecast because that's what my other shows are, but hmm, now you've got me considering some changes. Well, thank you to both of you. Thank you to everybody who supports this show. I very much appreciate it. We've got some, we've got some more sad, sad stuff to talk about. So don't go anywhere. So we get the wrapping up of, of the battle here, basically. Turgon decides, all right, I'm going to take the council from Hurin and Hur, and I'm going to head out. He summons, this is according to the text, all that remains of the host of Gondolin and such of Fingon's people as could be gathered. He retreated towards the pass of Sirion and his captains, Ecthelion and Glorfindel, very notable names here, guarded the flanks to the right and left so that none of the enemy should pass them by. But the men of Dor Loman held the rear guard as Hurin and Hur desired, for they did not wish in their hearts to leave the Northlands. And if they could not win back to their homes, there they would stand to the end. Thus was the treachery of Oldor redressed and of all the deeds of war that the fathers of men wrought in behalf of the Eldar, the last stand of the men of Dor Loman is most renowned. So they give their lives here. Again, foreshadowing, right? We haven't actually seen them give their lives yet, but they will hold this pass to a man in order to do what is right and to help Turgon and his forces and what's left of Fingon's forces retreat. And it, it costs their lives. Which makes up here for the betrayal of the other men. We have this happening a lot in Tolkien's works. Men are the ones who are most easily swayed by Morgoth, but at the same time, they are capable of extremely noble deeds. And not noble for the sake of just being good, but noble in a way where there is true honor and value in their sacrifice. Because without them, there would be no real hope against Morgoth. They are both sides of the coin. They're extreme in both ways. And before we go any further, I have to note here that there was somebody else listening to the words that Hur said to Turgon about this, from you and me, a star will rise. You remember Maeglin? Remember that story about the son of Turgon's sister, Aridel, and Aeol, the dark elf? Remember that whole story? There was a reason for that. There was a reason why we needed to know where Meglin came from and why he might be listening in on this and interested. But the rest of that is for a future story. Turgon fights his way basically out of the conflict into the mountains and then is again hidden from the eyes of Morgoth. He makes it back to Gondolin. And we're told that the brothers, Hurin and Hur, draw the remnant of men of the House of Hador about them. And foot by foot they withdrew until they came behind the fen of Sarich and had the stream of Rivel before them. 
There they stood and gave way no more. That stream marked the boundary of as far as they were willing to go. And this part is great. This is another one of those sections where I'm just going to read it to you because the words here are so good. Then all of the hosts of Angband swarmed against them and they bridged the stream with their dead. They used the bodies of their dead to cross the stream and encircled the remnant of Hithlam as a gathering tide about a rock because there were so many of them compared to so few men left to hold this position. There is the sun westered on the sixth day. And I like that term westered. The sun descends in the west. And the shadow of Arid Withrin grew dark. Hur fell pierced with a venomed arrow in his eye. And all the valiant men of Hador were slain about him in a heap. And the orcs hewed their heads and piled them as a mound of gold in the sunset. This mound is not the first time we've heard about a mound in this conflict. The heads of the elves being piled. And we see this in the Rings of Power. They actually show glimpses of the Battle of Unnumbered Tears and Galadriel walking amongst the results of that conflict and the piles. And in that case, it's piles of helms. But those are heads. And in this situation, we have a pile of heads as well. So what about Hurin? Hurin stands alone here. Hur is dead. And again, I'm going to let the text talk. Last of all, Hurin stood alone. Then he cast aside his shield and wielded an axe two-handed. And it is sung that the axe smoked in the black blood of the troll guard of Gothmog until it withered. He hews into a troll and the black hot blood from the troll withers the axe. <laughs> he stands his ground against a troll in front of Gothmog. Pretty, pretty badass. And each time that he slew, Hurin cried, Are and Tuluva, day shall come again. Notice that he uses the elven words there because the elven words have a certain power to them. Seventy times he uttered that cry, but they took him at last alive by the command of Morgoth, for the orcs grappled him with their hands, which clung to him still, though he hewed off their arms, and even their numbers were renewed until at last he fell, buried beneath them. So he's holding his ground. All of these orcs are clutching at him in order to try to capture him. And each time one grabs onto him, onto his armor, his clothing, he cuts off their arms. But the hands stay gripped. And he kills so many of them that he ends up buried beneath their bodies. And notice here that he is able to cry out 70 times. This is how long he stands. This gives us a time frame. How long would it take you to say, Are Enteluva, day shall come again 70 times? That's a fairly long period of time to be standing there, cutting the arms off of orcs and fighting trolls. On top of that, numbers have meaning beyond just the literal number. 70 times. This is almost biblical. This is something you see happens in the Bible because the ancient Hebrews 
used numbers as analogies. And we still do this today. If I said, I've told you a thousand times, whatever, that doesn't mean literally I told you a thousand times. It might, it could, but it's a figure of speech, most likely, which means I've told you more times than I care to. We do this today with numbers. This is something that happens biblically. This is something that happens mythically. There are certain numbers in certain cultures that hold certain importance. 70 is the sum of 7 and 10. 7 and 10, at least according to the, the Hebrews, had an important quality to them. Even in today's culture, 7 has kind of a lucky quality to it. Why is that? Why do we still have that? 10 feels complete because we have a base 10 system. Completeness. A total number of complete times. A positive number. 70 with a 7 in it. Maybe there's some deeper meaning there. I'm not sure exactly what Tolkien was thinking with that number, but again, it was something that was chosen on purpose. Can you imagine the impact if it was 68 times or 69 times? 68 times! He said it it doesn't have the same impact. 70 times. There's something stronger about that number. So this is Hurin's end here. After being pulled out from this pile of dead orcs, Gothmog bounds him and drags him to Angband with mockery. He is still alive. Picture this. Being taken to the depths of the cells of Angband by this force when you were such a strong fighter against so many of them. And then we get the final section here. Thus ended Narniath Arnoidiad as the sun went down beyond the sea. Night fell in Hithlam, and there came a great storm of wind out of the west. Great was the triumph of Morgoth, and his design was accomplished in a manner after his own heart. For men took the lives of men and betrayed the Eldar. And fear and hatred were aroused among those that should have been united against him. From that day, the hearts of elves were estranged from men, save only those of the three houses of the Edain. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio, or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes, or just search Robots Radio Discord, or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.